Every day, educators across the country give students their very best. Often, many teachers feel overwhelmed, stressed out, underpaid, and unheard. This week's guests, Adam Welcome and Ray Hewitt, share how teachers and educators deserve more respect, time, connection, and autonomy. This is a time to celebrate teachers and all the wonderful things that they do for our students. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Adam and Ray, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, this is awesome. Thanks for having us. Super pumped to be here, man. This is awesome. I've been waiting to be on the Aspire podcast. <laughs> well, Adam, I got to be on the Kids Deserve It podcast a long time ago. That was actually my first podcast ever. No way. Honestly, that was the inspiration to my podcast because I just love that experience and that conversation so much. Ray, you've been on the podcast before, but it was such a joy to actually meet the both of you at the Teach Better conference. And you guys just killed it. Both Ray and Adam, you you spoke at the conference both of your presentations were so inspirational and everyone got so much value and I just loved that conference so much. Gosh, it was so fun. And actually with that conference specifically, obviously Adam and I had been working on the book. It hadn't really been discussed too much yet, but I got to introduce him for his keynote and kind of allude to our little project. It was kind of fun. So that was a a great time to be able to all hang out in person. It'll happen again someday, someday. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like I've done so many conferences and there's sometimes I have to go back and look at my master list over the years to see like, wait, have I been here before? Or wait, you know, have I spoken there? And that conference is one that I will never have to do that with. And, you know, you both know what I'm talking about. It's just the the conference, the people, the energy, the the nightlife, just that after conference conversations is where, you know, such deep conversation happens and you, you talk to people and then like the next day they start a podcast or, you know, like Todd and I met at a conference and the next day we started Kids Deserve It, you know, so it's, and it's like those after hours conversations, but the Teach Better Conference, the kickoff uh, is one I will never forget. And Ray, you alluded to your new book and I want to touch on that, but before we do that, will you all just talk about your educational and leadership journey? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, Ray Hewart. I am a sixth grade math teacher, so I'm in the classroom. I have 150 kids I hang out with. Uh, I usually say that I hang out with them every single day, but now with, you know, the, the way we're teaching, I actually don't get to be with them every single day. But I do love being able to be in the classroom with students day in, day out. And in addition to obviously being super active in my school building, I'm also the director of training and development for the Teach Better team which gives me a great outlet to not only work with educators, which is an incredible opportunity, but also work with uh, an incredible team that I get to oversee as well. So I'm very, very, very fortunate to have kind of both of those lenses day in, day out. And, you know, a few other fun things, let's be honest, like I feel like we all have our side projects. So whether we're talking about like a podcast I'm involved in or, or things in between, it's just always fun to continue to have your hands in different buckets of, of education. So awesome. I'm going to say my journey started in my dad's second grade classroom. He taught second grade for 35 years in kind of the inner cities of the Bay Area. After college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went and got my teaching credential. I'm so glad I did. And I taught elementary school. I was a vice principal like you are, Josh. So I, I know those days as an, as, a, as an assistant principal, vice principal are so fun. And then, uh, yeah, principal 
uh, the school where I went to school, which is pretty cool. And then uh, my, my, my most recent district job, I was a director of innovation for a large school district, which was probably the coolest job I've ever had. I literally had no responsibility, which made my wife nervous. I wasn't in charge of like the wires and the servers and I didn't supervise principals. I was just kind of like that creative person in the middle, which I think all districts, no matter what your size is, they need because so many people get sidetracked with the wires and the servers and supervising principals and union issues or parents or whatever it might be. And how are we giving people time at least one person or, or small team to really take that time, have that time to be creative, to see what is happening on the outside, to bring it in so our kids can and teachers can integrate that into the curriculum. So that was fun. And then the last three years, I've just been traveling and speaking full time, averaging 100 to 150 airline flights a year. So a lot of time in airports. It's funny because Ray and I, we were on another podcast and we were like, oh, you were in Dallas and I was in Nashville at a, both at an airport. That's like where so many conversations used to happen. You know, I got an hour layover, three hour layover or delays. And uh, that's a lot of the conversations that happened actually for Teachers Deserve It when Ray and I were both in separate airports. It's so funny to look back and think about that. I know we always joke, but like you write a book, you used to say, Adam, like I write books on airplanes and I'm worried about you, buddy. Like there's no, there's no real travel going on right now. People are not traveling nearly as much. You're I'm sure not traveling as much. Like, I don't know that you can write another book right now because it won't happen in an airport. <laughs> I don't want to write another book right now. I'm good with four. I have an idea. I have an idea for one more. And I told my wife after that one, then I'm done. Five and done. Uh, we, you know, we are, we are cranking with a, uh, with teachers deserve it. So that's, that's the focus right now for sure. I was going to say, Josh, my, my goal is to get Adam to admit as many times as possible that teachers deserve it's his favorite book. Cause he wrote it with me. <laughs> Maybe by the end of this podcast, we can get him to say it at least once. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm gonna get it in writing. It's he's gonna tattoo it on his forehead. You just wait. Well, we've been talking a, a little bit about it, but I really want to dive into this book. It just came out. Teachers deserve it. And just for those who haven't had an opportunity to read the book, can you just give a quick synopsis for the readers? Yeah. So you know, as you know, Josh, I wrote Kids Deserve It with with Todd four years ago. Actually, four years ago, June, which it feels like. It feels like 10 or 20 years ago. It feels just like a lifetime ago. And that is was my first book. And I, I would say humbly has made a big splash in the education world. Throughout the whole time when, you know, traveling and speaking and talking with teachers and things. And, you know, I still firmly 100% believe that kids deserve it. And I would see things, though, in other places I would travel and I would say, well, is that good for teachers, too? Because it can't just be good for kids and not be good for teachers. It's we're all a community and we're all in this together. Yep. So I always had this kind of like, it's kind of like the dichotomy, I would say, two kids deserve it in a way. And um, in thinking about the about the book, you know, I was, Ray and I were at dinner and she can tell that story. And I asked her, I said, hey, you want to write this book with me? The first thing she said was, who else have you asked before me? And I was like, no, you're the first, you're the first one. You're the prom date. We've been on this journey. That was two years ago in Illinois at a conference. So you know, it's just things that I like to say things that people are thinking, but that they don't want to say because they think that they're going to get in trouble or they think they're going to hurt somebody's feelings or they think they're going to lose their job. And that's not what teachers deserve it is. But I would say that is the we talk about things that are wrong or that we think need to be improved in education. And we don't stop there. We don't just complain. We give strategies and ideas. And I would say Ray was really, I think, the big catalyst behind these experiments and teacher experiments of like, all right, kids teachers now this is what you got to do or you can do 
to get what we deserve and get what you deserve as teachers. It's, it's not just teachers, it's all educators. I mean, but the title, title is teachers deserve it. I would say that's kind of the it in a nucleus and I know uh, Ray will add to it to enhance what I just said. No, it's just, it's funny. Like, especially being on a leadership focused podcast, I thought teachers deserve it was going to be a, a knock against leadership. Like that's what I envisioned when you said, hey, we should teachers deserve it. It's like, great, let's make an entire book about how teachers are awesome and how leaders don't support them and blah, 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 blah. And I, I honestly, I tell Adam all the time, I'm like, I was super not interested in the, in the idea originally, but you don't say no when Adam Welcome asks you to write a book, right? I'm like, how do I make this work? Because the lens that I was seeing things through was so off base. And as we started writing, we really had this solution focused lens, which I think really comes through with the book. I mean, it was a huge element for us of, it's not about talking uh, about blame. It's, it's, it's not at all about even teachers themselves. It's really about the entire ecosystem of educators. Educators in general deserve so many things. And one of my favorite things that I've been trying to say as often as possible is I hope, and I say this like, you know, like grinding my teeth, I hope this book is irrelevant in five to 10 years because we put so many solution focused ideas in this book that if everybody chose to do them, that I hope that somebody would pick up this book and say, what? Teachers deserve respect? Like that's the most respected profession out there, right? It's not about that we, we deserve these things because we do, but what are we going to do about it? How are we going to control the narrative? And so I actually have fallen in love with this book throughout the writing process because I was so fearful of what it, what it could have been and so proud of where it ended up. And it was great collaborating with Adam because we came at it from two different perspectives, which was super fun to write with somebody that like was as passionate about education as I was, but came from a completely different element of education, which was super cool. Josh, I think is Ray, Ray is very, Ray's very humble. When you write something, you go into a project like this with somebody, you know, you need somebody that's going to keep, hold you accountable and that's going to push the envelope. And Ray Heward is that, I mean, you know, Ray would like, I don't like this. And we would have a conversation about it though, you know, or I would say, I don't know about this. And, you know, like at one point I was in an airport somewhere and I'm like, this book is going down a path. We need to be like fun with it. And one of the sections is teachers deserve to wear jeans. And that's actually, what am I, and people laugh, but I don't know how it is in Texas, Josh, where you are in California. I used to wear jeans three days a week as a principal, but a lot of places, teachers can't wear jeans to school. They have to get like a jean pass or like pay money, donate or whatever, like, or the super, and we tell a couple couple stories in there. And it's, you know, it's the serious things about like pay and class size, but it's also like, whoa, I gotta pay dry cleaning fees and all these, all these different things. Like, what are we doing? You got CEOs that make $20 million a year that wear a polo shirt or a hoodie and jeans to work every day. Yeah. And we're not discrediting the teaching profession. We're just like, you know, it's 2020, times have changed. And those are the things that like people go, yes. Um, and hopefully when people read the book, they're gonna see some of those stories. And where Ray said, you are, this is a leadership podcast. I talk about a superintendent in, the, in that book. Obviously we don't give names mm -hmm. about something that I experienced about jeans. And I was like, what, what, are you kidding me? And I think it's gonna hopefully let people to stop and look kind of all like a 360 view at their ecosystem and say, all right, we can do this, we can do that, we can do this, and we can talk about those things to go down that path to hopefully improve them for educators. So the reason I was laughing was because in Texas, that is a thing <laughs> with jeans. Mm -hmm. But how often, Josh, do you see teachers that are like, 
we're going to do jeans week, donate a dollar, right? Like all that stuff. Like the, it's funny. Cause I remember when Adam was like, we need fun chapters. And my initial thought was no, we are doing serious chapters. We're going to make an impact. We're going to talk about all these hard, hard topics. And then he's like, yeah, we should like, yes, that exists. But he's like, but what fun things can we put in there to celebrate teachers? Because teachers deserve so many things that aren't just serious and scary. Those are the things that come up so often in the news and, you know, continue to be stressors on us. But those fun chapters became some of my favorite too, Adam. Those led to a lot of laughs. <laughs> no, I love it. So I want to talk to you, Ray, real quick, because how much pressure was it on you as a teacher to have that perspective in the book? I mean, Adam was a teacher also, but obviously he's gone up the, the chain of, of leadership. So as far as being like the teacher for Teachers Deserve It, how much pressure was that on you? Well, geez, Josh, I hadn't thought about it until you just said that. Yikes. <laughs> no, honestly, I, you know, I feel like there's a lot of pressure writing a book, right? So I, this is my second book. I co-authored uh, Teach Better with the Teach Better team, um, also published through DBC just a few months prior. And I loved that project. That project was incredible. I had incredible co-authors, but I won't lie. That one was like a project I feel like I was a part of. But I never realized how much my heart felt could really be in a book until I was a part of Teachers Deserve It. Like Teachers Deserve It was a passion project. You know, Dave Burgess always talks about writing your manifesto. Like this was it. I was never as nervous or vulnerable for people to read this book and really experience Teachers Deserve It as I was until this came out. And um, I'm so fortunate that I was able to be a part of it. But to be honest, I, you know, to be a, to bring my perspective to Teachers Deserve It was an honor. I'm connected to so many classroom educators that are doing incredible things that I, I think that it was amazing to be a part of this process and be able to give my voice as a classroom teacher within it. But also Adam and I incorporated 22 other educator stories in this book. And so while I'm honored to be like the teacher of teachers deserve it, I like that phrasing you used. The reality is, is like there was so many teachers and educators that also contributed their, their vulnerable story to this book that I'm hoping, my hope would be that when somebody opens up this book, they're not only getting ideas, they're not only hearing from Adam directly in his stories and hearing from me directly in my stories, but then they flip the page and they get to these really intentional moments of pause where we really do want you to pause and celebrate an educator. And so highlighting these other educators in the book, we have coaches and counselors and principals and classroom teachers and everyone in between being able to share like how much they love education. And so I, I'm actually, I think that became one of my favorite parts of the book to be completely transparent with you. So Adam, I want to talk about where we are in education because obviously there's a lot of changes going on with you know, distance learning and a lot of anxiety with teachers. So I feel like this book is coming out at just the perfect time. But I also want to know, how do you feel the role of teaching is changing and what direction should it go in? That's a big question right there, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been saying that I don't like the word crazy. People often say it's crazy right now. It's crazy. And I, I just don't, I don't agree with that connotation. I think this is a very interesting and fluid and dynamic time. And, you know, you have to be able to pivot. And I would say this is a great exercise for all educators, teachers included, to 
have to pivot, which I think is a positive thing. I look for silver linings, Josh. Mm -hmm. And if there are, there are so many people sick and dying and losing jobs. I mean, there's just obviously all over the world. And a silver lining is we as educators get to pivot and stay relevant. And, you know, you saw me speak in Akron and I talk about remaining relevant and not turning into Blockbuster and Toys R Us. And maybe this is the forcing of the hand that needed to happen in some places, in some districts, in some cities, and in some classrooms. And it happened, unfortunately, overnight back in March. But maybe sometimes that is what needs to happen. And something I've been talking a lot about, I've been doing a lot of virtual speaking. I'm not, I'm not traveling right now, but something I've been talking about is teachers deserve to not be the only teacher in the classroom. And we were on another podcast and I gave Ray a shout out. And I, you know, like I've never been in Ray's classroom, but I feel like I've been in Ray's classroom because she shares just so prolifically on Instagram and her stories and her students And you can tell that Ray is not the only teacher in her classroom. Yes, Ray teaches middle school, but I don't care. Kindergarten, I have a second grader and a fourth grader and put them to work, empower them as leaders or to become the expert in something. And I think that is a shift that needs to happen. So teachers don't have to be the Flipgrid ambassador. Make one of your students, especially in middle school, the Flipgrid ambassador so they can create and, and do all the links and whatever else kind of needs to happen. And I think it's a great time to uh, empower students in a different way, which in turn is going to give you more time to build relationships, to focus on curriculum and collaborating with your colleagues in the distance format. I mean, I was talking to a principal today that they're going back in person. Everybody's at a different place. So I think, you know, for restaurants and for companies to even be able to survive right now, they have to be able to pivot. And I think, we don't have to survive in education, but we have to adapt because all of our different learners, I mean, kids that are in special needs that haven't seen a teacher face-to-face, I mean, talk about just not accessing, accessing the curriculum in different ways and kids with second, second, second language learners, we have to be creative. And that shouldn't just be on teachers. I don't like seeing teachers having to redo their room on their own with personal protective equipment. I think that's the job of the districts and the, and the, and the counties and the states and our federal government but thinking on more of like a micro level, I, I, I see that happening where teachers hopefully are going to look back and go, God, I used to do that. I can't do that anymore because we're not face to face or because I don't have time. And you know what? That's okay. We're going to actually do more of what we should be doing and not maybe what we always did just because we always did it or we had to fill time or whatever, however you want to articulate it. So I would say those are kind of my macro micro thoughts on where education is and it's messy right now, obviously, and people are not getting along, unfortunately, Um, but hopefully we're all going to come through with this, you know, stronger, kind of wiser about what we should be doing moving forward. As we're going toward the end of our conversation, I always love asking my guests about aspire action steps, like for our aspiring leaders, if they may have a title, maybe they don't, but they're early in their journey, what is one thing that they can do to really enhance their leadership skills? Oh, Josh, I'm going to sound like a broken record from the episode we did in our mailbag with Jeff Gargas. This is literally like, I feel like all I'm saying on every interview, every opportunity I have at a district training or anything in between, if you are a leader right now, we have to be better at modeling, right? So this is, this kind of goes to what Adam was saying in terms of 
we're really being forced right now to be reflective and be solution focused, right? The more we can say, oh, I couldn't do this before, but that's okay. What, what's going to be my new attempt to, to try and solve this problem in, in a different way? I really would love to see leadership taking that same action. I work with a few different school districts right now with principals that are like, okay, first day, I'm going to start with a quick introduction. And then I really got to go through expectations and they have like lists and lists and lists of all this information they're trying to share to teachers. I believe that that's necessary. As a teacher, I'm dying. I'm desperate for some information, but we really need to be modeling. We're going to feel that same stress of wanting to tell our students everything. We're just going to want to word vomit all over them. But is that really what's best for our learning environment? How do we welcome in students the first day? How do we make them feel safe in an environment that feels strange? How do we allow them to build relationships with each other and build relationships with us? And that those same questions need to be asked by leadership around the, around the country right now. I want to model, I want educators and leadership to model that same idea. And I know we talked about this on the Aspire Mailbag podcast that we were able to do together about a week ago, but that whole idea of, you know, what's the first thing a principal should do to welcome in their staff? And my, my question I threw to you was, yeah, what, what would you want your teachers to do for the students and how can we mirror that so a teacher can experience that, that sense of excitement to be back, experience that sense of safety that they, you know, are in a safe environment because when we can model that and give that experience to our teachers, they're going to be able to better than duplicate the process for their own students that they are going to see a few days later. So that's really like, I feel like the soapbox I'm on recently is I want us to be better at professional development because we just think like, oh, I have a lot to share. So I'm just going to talk at my learners. And yet we would never train teachers to do that for their students. So as we continue to see teachers be reflective and change it up and be flexible and everything in between, I'd love to encourage all of our leadership to strive to do the same when, when welcoming back staff this year. What about you, Adam? Just make a decision. I think too many people are analysis paralysis. And I see that a lot. Your decision may not, may not be the right decision, but you got to go on the road, down the road to make a decision. You know, I've been saying for years, most things never get done because they never get started. And people are like, what should we do? Should we do this? Should we do that? I'm not sure. I don't know. What do you think? And I, I understand that people are waiting on other people to make a decision, but with what you do, what you can control, make a decision because the decision is going to change as you start moving forward. But your students, your teachers, they need you to make a decision. They're looking at you. And the longer you wait and wait and wait, the information is going to change. We can wait for three years, make a decision, be flexible, be light and tight. Don't make this big old crazy decision with 25 parameters, make three parameters in that decision because the more complicated something is, the more they can go wrong. The simpler something is, the smoother and easier it is to kind of fix it and tweak it as you go. Why is it so important for our educators and our leaders to be connected on technology, on social media? <laughs> oh, gosh. Come on, Josh. Master, Josh. Teachers deserve to be connected. I mean, all the amazing things that have happened in my life professionally are because of my being connected and being on Twitter and starting a blog. I don't know how many years ago, 12 years ago, I was a teacher and I sold my car and I was trying to go a year without a car. And it's really hard to live without a car, especially in the Bay Area where I live. And I started a blog called Cycling Teacher Guide. And I wrote about cycling to work and teaching and trying to go to the grocery store and date and kind of everything else. And that was my journey to writing and blogging. And it's turned into so many things and connecting with other 
cyclists and teachers all over the world. And I almost left education 10 years ago when I was a brand new principal because I was frustrated. I was on my island and I was like, all right, I'm done with this. And I jumped on Twitter and then boom, I found my people. And they were not in my district. They were not even in California. They were in Kansas and Texas and New York and everywhere else. And most of those people I've never even met once in person. Maybe I've met a few of them one time in person, but we talk on a monthly basis. We exchange Christmas cards. If you are not connected, if you are on Educator Island in 2020, it is completely up to you and you need to change it. And like Ray said, we have a whole chapter. Yeah. I mean, even for your listeners, like Adam and I have met twice and we wrote an entire book together and have done a lot and have way more planned for anybody who's interested. Like we, like you don't have to meet people in person uh, to be able to accomplish things. For those of you who have read Teach Better, like I begrudgingly got on Twitter. Like I did it for the sake of a grade. I was the worst student. I was getting my master and I was a course short of finishing my master's. And I was like, no, no, no. I am finishing this. I am done. No longer, no summer classes. And so I signed up for the first class that my university offered that semester and doubled up. And the first assignment was to make a professional Twitter account. And I was like, Bleh, that sounds awful, right? Like I was like, what am I going to do with this? And so I made this account for the sake of a grade. And not only that, like I could list off a million and a half connections that have not only helped me in that moment with maybe a problem I was having that I found a solution for, but like lifelong friendships, like, especially, I mean, Josh, your listeners know Jeff Gargas because he's on here like every, like every day, but like Jeff Gargas and I met on Twitter during a Twitter chat that was, you know, Dave Burgess's Twitter chat. Dave Burgess later published our book. I mean, like, it's crazy how these connections work. I think that if we limit ourselves, we do talk about like this idea of living in a bubble. If you limit yourself to the people that are in your school, you're going to have to move schools really, really often. Like I specifically took a job at Evans Junior High because it was the most progressive and connected place. And I was like, I need to learn. And the only way I knew to learn was to move schools and, and connect with educators that were extremely progressive and you know open-minded to change. And while that's been an incredible choice for me, if I limited myself to that staff of 60, I wouldn't nearly be where I am now in just my mindset of wanting to grow, much less anything else. So you know, go on, find your platform. We actually just made a download. I was just working on it before we popped on this podcast. There's like nine steps we just laid out. Like pick your platform, make a profile, go connect with somebody, see who they're connected to and let it go. I mean, even the three people on this podcast right now, connect with us. We'd love to connect you with more people that can help you be better. Because if you limit yourself to your surroundings, you'll only be able to grow that much. The Pope is on Twitter and the Dalai Lama is on Twitter. You can get on Twitter also. I like that. Ray, you mentioned being on the Aspire mailbag. And I just wanted to let you know that Jeff is sweating bullets because he's afraid that you're going to take his spot. I think he should be. You know, Josh, I was heartbroken. I think the first mailbag episode you did with him, you admitted you were team Jeff. And I was heartbroken because I listened to that whole episode being like, don't be team Jeff. Don't be team Jeff. <laughs> And then you did it and it was horrible. And so I, I've been hoping to take Jeff Gargas's spot. I think I've convinced Adam to be team Ray, but he doesn't have a t-shirt yet. He needs a, he needs a team Ray t-shirt. Yeah, he definitely does. I, hey, <laughs> no. Ever he since I made that you. comment, I've, I've been desperately trying to go back. So I'm going to continue to do that and try and be team Ray. 
you can switch it if you want. Do you want to publicly announce? That would be great on this episode. Josh will announce that he's Team Ray and Adam will announce this is his favorite book because he wrote it with me. This will be like the best thing ever. <laughs> I can only do it if Adam does. See, it's got to be a team thing. He can't do it. He's He said way too many <laughs> books. In my kids, so my, my own kids ask me all the time, Dad, what of your four books is your favorite book? And I say all of them. I can't, you know, equal, totally equal. Yeah. Ray, I love you, my friend, but equal. It's all right. I, I appreciate you. I'll go equal team right team, Jeff, then. Oh, no. <laughs> Josh, this is not going to happen. Adam, I get. Adam, I get. He's written some incredible work, and we have lots of great projects in the future, but you that can't be so in between. Easy. I don't see how nope. Adam got away with that. All right. So we were talking about being a connected educator, and we definitely want the listeners to connect to all of us. So how can they connect with you on social media? Sure. Adam and I are super easy to get connected with. It's just kind of our names. I'm at Ray Hewart at literally every social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Adam, you're pretty easy too. You want to say your handle? Mr. Mr. Adam, welcome. Everything, Twitter, Instagram, Voxer, uh, Facebook, mradamwelcome.com. Yeah, I think Ray and I pride ourselves on responding to pretty much every single person that reaches out with a question. I mean, I've had some random questions before and I know I've gotten it. I'm sure Ray does the same. Like people go, oh, wow. Like you put your money where your mouth is. You say to connect and that you will connect and thanks for responding. And they're like, well, yeah, like we're just people and you know, we all have to learn together. So yeah. Ray, Adam, it is always a pleasure to talk with you. Ray, you've been on a couple times and Adam, this is your first time, but it, it is phenomenal to get a chance to speak to you once again. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for all your time. I know it's not easy to, to uh, schedule and produce and record a podcast. So props for you for uh, making the time. I know you have a busy family too. Absolutely. Thanks for having us.